Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden, and joining me, as always, former Falcons fullback, Ovi Mahaley. Ovi, what's up, man? What's up, big time? All right, so we're coming off a win. This is good. This is the first time that we get to, we're actually, candidly, we're talking on a Wednesday. Usually, we record on a uh, Thursday. We're giving everybody a peek behind the process, but, you know, life came in the way. We're, we're, human beings first we're people on on this planet first and we're podcasters second so you guys can just chill um (laughs) (laughs) deal with it but a lot of energy kind of coming off of uh not a pretty win but a win nonetheless you're going against uh yet again another football team the football team some might say uh they also have a one and two record so again you got to kind of like your chances you're not it's not the juggernaut like we felt going against tampa bay in week two um They've got a chance in this one, and I'm really excited to dive into all of that with you. But first, let's hear from our sponsor. Football is back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another great season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this fall. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, Props and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code BLEAVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, Ovi. So again, this is really a matchup between I think like, two evenly matched teams. It's not uh, Washington has not looked like the team a lot of people thought they would be coming into the season. A lot of that, yes, has to do with. Ryan Fitzpatrick being injured, and now Taylor Heineke is in at quarterback. He hasn't played horribly, but the offense has not been dynamic, and the defense has certainly not lived up to what everybody thought it would be. But first and foremost, I want to talk about somebody, many bodies, who have nothing to do with this game, and yet I think will have everything to do with this game, and that is the Falcons fan base. They're coming back home, Yep. and they're coming back home with a win. This team has not seen their team but once in the last, I don't know, 650 days. I mean, like, well, they didn't see him in 2020. They've seen him once so far. And now they got a, a one and two team instead of an 0 and three team. How big do you think the Falcons fan base will be on Sunday? Huge. It's going to be huge. And I, I hope that, you know, now that the Falcons fan base has seen that we can eke out a win, 
they will be motivated <laughs> to keep that party going because, man, if we were 0-3, I, I got to tell you, Will, yeah. uh, it, it, it would have been ugly. Like They would have tried to cheer, uh, you know, the first quarter, but as soon as something remotely seemed like it was possibly going to go around wrong, you would have lost everyone, the fan base. Like, I feel like we would have started to get, to get booed because an 0-3 team coming back home to a fan base that was promised progress, yeah. all right, we weren't going to be world beaters. Okay, we weren't going to win the Super Bowl you know, this year. They probably right. didn't expect that. But they expected better than just 0-3 or what we've been showing them. And we were a hair away from being 0-3. So the fact that we at least won a game and have given them something to grab onto, something to, you know, rally behind, that's huge because we can get the fans now behind us. So we can get them believing in the Falcons <laughs> of the 2021 season and get them really to, uh, you know, start going crazy, disrupting the uh, the Washington football team's <laughs> offense. I, I want to say the other name so bad. <laughs> Don't do I it. Remind myself. I won't do it. I don't want to get you know, uh, in trouble. But uh, but no, the fans are, are going to be there. And they're going to be loud, and we got to keep them there because momentum is uh, one heck of a thing, and it can go to the other side really quickly. And if we lose our fans and they hush us up, nothing worse than yeah. having the opposing team put their finger to their lips and shush a fan base. You feel so helpless. You, you feel Well, as a player, it felt great to do it. Right. But, you know, watching the fans... You feel so helpless because, like, that's eh, right. Yeah, yeah. You when you, shut up. when it's right. you know that the team really can't do anything to back it up. Like, I, I remember a game a couple of years ago when Aaron Donald picked up Devontae Freeman and just like kind of threw him. Like Devontae yeah. was was chirping it, and the Falcons, I think, were getting blown out in that game. And I was like, well, if that just isn't emblematic of the way that this season has gone, I don't know what is on your home turf getting picked up and kind of tossed aside. Like, there you go. Uh, and especially you mentioned change or uh, but the slow change. I think a lot of people did, you know, right before the season, everybody's expectations jumped a little bit. That's fair to say it. it everybody, everybody's did. They got caught up in football's back. But by and large, I think everybody understands that this is a, a rebuild of however long the team determines that it needs to be or their actions determine that it is. But just to be 0 and 3 the way that the last two seasons in particular have started when you have been out of it before the leaves even start to fall yep to be Owen three would have been like a, a whip dog oh. getting a new master and oh. first day on that they do something wrong getting hit again and it's it would have been just heartbreaking but that's not the case and this is why especially this is why especially I think that the the fan base if if they're not planning on it they need to be a factor here because they technically the next week have another home game, but that home game is some, I don't know. I'm not a geologist, like 4,000 <laughs> miles away. Uh, yeah, that sounds good. Give or take, give or take 3,500 miles. miles. Uh, but um, <laughs> it's in London. So it's a home game. The Falcons unfairly have seven home games this year. The only team in the league after that, they have a bye week after that. They're on the road against the Dolphins. They won't have another home game until week eight against Carolina. They play October 3rd, and then they play again October 31st in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So this is your last wow. chance. The weather's great right now. It's perfect. I don't know where it'll be at the beginning of November. So yes, fans, get out, tailgate, 
make this a true home atmosphere for a new team and show some belief as we all saw the Ted Lasso sign in the press conference room today from uh, Arthur Smith show that you believe in this new team and this new regime. Um, So yeah, let's now dive into the actual matchup. And I mentioned Tyler Heineke or Taylor Heineke, I should say, and he's actually started against Atlanta before week 16 of the 2018 season. Falcons won that game pretty handily, but Heineke, he was efficient, but he made a lot of mistakes and he was under pressure a lot that day. He threw a touchdown, 274 yards, but he threw three picks. He was sacked twice. Um, do you have any thoughts on Taylor Heineke for, as a player? Uh, what he's done over the years, he's had some kind of fill in duty, but he's not. I mean, he's not a well known quarterback. <laughs> he's not a well known quarterback because he's not an, an elite quarterback. And, you know, there are very few quarterbacks in the NFL that actually are elite. But, you know, Heineke, he, he's serviceable. Um, gosh darn it. What? Uh, it was the, the quarterback that won the Ravens their first Super Bowl. Not Elvis. Uh, it was... Um, oh, Trent Dilfer. Trent Dilfer. There you go. Trent, yeah, Trent Dilfer. Trent Dilfer. And Trent Dilfer is like a Taylor Heineke. Like, it, oh, my God. That, are you are, that is... You are slandering Trent Dilfer. Neither of these guys are going to scare anyone. Neither of these guys are, you know, precision passers or huge arms. They're all like, you know, up, up middle of the road, barely above average, and their key to being great was not messing up. Just don't f it up. You know that, that yeah. that's literally their mantra. Make the passes you can make. You know, don't try to do too much. Don't force the ball. We don't need to force it. And so Heineke, his numbers have been decent. Uh, I think the what sixty four, sixty nine percent completion percentage, fifty nine for eighty nine, uh, five touchdowns. You know, three interceptions. Not terrible. Pass rating ninety seven point seven. Yeah, he's he's that guy, middle of the road, barely above average guy. So. I think his claim to fame is that he once threw 730 yards in a, a game at Old Dominion. <laughs> but, uh, you know, in the NFL, he's not scaring anybody. Yeah. So if we were able to corral him before, I think with what our defensive line has shown as far as getting at the quarterback, if not sacks, then hurries and not yep. hurries and just disrupting the, the rhythm. I feel good about doing that with Taylor Heineke, who, you know, is not a, a, a Danny uh, dual threat or not a, <laughs> You know, Vanilla Vic, like uh, our friend Daniel Jones, he's not as mobile, so we can do some things. So I, I feel good about this matchup with uh, Taylor. Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree. Obviously, I, it's not um, like you said, not even even Daniel Jones. Although he did lead Washington to a one point win against the Giants in Week Two, the Falcons uh, might I remind you won by three points against the Giants. So if we're looking at a uh, you know. Similar matchups, comparing opponents. If this was, again, the BCS, that would matter, but it's not. Uh, (laughs) Every game is a new game, but you want to see the Falcons' defense. You mentioned them and and how they'll play against Taylor Heineke. The last time they saw him, did everything you would want a defense to do in a day. Get three turnovers, two sacks. That's an awesome day for the defense. How did you think that they should look to build on last week's performance, which was really good, but there were some moments. The Giants, I don't think, had trouble really moving the ball against the Falcons. They broke off some chunk plays. They converted some third downs. It was really the Falcons' ability to make some key plays that kept them in that game, but that's not nothing. So how do you build on that and really impose your will in the more key elements or mainstay elements of uh, a football game? Well, I feel like if you want to impose your will, it, it comes to stopping the run game because no team is able to have a balanced offense if you can't start with the run game. It, it, it's, never do you really say, 
we're going to pass to set up the run. <laughs> to set no one. We're just going to pass all day, and that will help set the run up. Not really. You, you think it, it should be able to work either way, but it's always you run first, set up the pass. But if you stop them, if you kind of just lay down the law and draw a line in the sand and make it to where they're, they're not getting, you know, three, four yards a pop, they're getting one, two, and negative yards, that makes it very hard. They turn to a one-dimensional offense very quickly. And I know because I've seen it happen to the Falcons year after year after year <laughs> where our run game has been non-existent. Right. And, you know, love Todd Gurley. He's great. But teams rolled into the Mercedes-Benz Stadium knowing that this is going to be the Matt Ryan show and Matt Ryan had to beat us or it wasn't going to happen. And you could scheme around that. If we can make Taylor Heineke have to beat, the, beat us, oh, we're, we're in a good spot. We're in a real good spot. So I think that that's probably us taking it to the next level. Our our backers have shown they have speed. We've been yep. able to, you know, uh, with Foyer and Dion get to the edge and and keep really, um, you know, good backs. Saquon Barkley, he's a really good back. You yeah. know, he, he's on his comeback tour, <laughs> his, his wannabe comeback tour, but he wasn't able to, to you know, really go off on us, which was great because I looks was worried. Scary. He looks scary, though, at times. Oh, my gosh. In the, in the podcast, I said, like, you know, one of the X factors was going to be Saquon Barkley. I didn't say that. I should have said that because he's a guy who he wanted to get get his get back. And he was like, yeah. oh, the Falcons are ripe for that. And our defense, our linebacker showed, no, 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 not this year. We're ready to ball. We're we're running. Our heads are down. We're getting a little, little nastier. We're getting a little grimier. We're, we're, we're you know, ready to you know, give you a little contact. And, you know, we're going to be that team that's a little tougher against the run. We're, we're terrible against the pass. We're getting better <laughs> on that front as well. But let's find something we can be good at. Dare I say great. Yeah. And the next step, I think, for the Falcons is to, you know, kind of flirt with greatness when it comes to being a, a tough-nosed uh, um, team when it comes to stopping the run. Yeah, they've quietly been a decent run defense over the past couple of years. If if you look at the numbers closely, it's really their, their pass defense that has totally dragged them down. But their run defense, particularly in the interior with, Grady and Tyler Davidson, and now it's um, Grady and Marlon Davidson. But it's been it's been decent. What they need to do is really kind of, like you said, take that next jump, become... The defense needs to establish some sort of identity. And for too long, the identity, I think, was more of a mentality and a mantra, which was that fast and physical, instead of, no, our defensive line is going to go out here and set the tone today, and everybody's playing off of them. Or when you're in Seattle, it's, no, the Legion of Boom is coming to take this game over. Everybody else feed off of their energy, but they're kind of our, our big dogs on defense and they're going to take over this game. And you you need to have one of those, one aspect of your defense that you can rely on game in and game out. And the Falcons need to establish that. And I think they will. And this is what's key for me in, in this game because shutting down the run game means that you're going to put Taylor Heineke probably in a lot of third and uncomfortables and Washington is dead last in the league right now on third down conversions. They're converting 26 and a half percent of their third down attempts, which is just really bad putrid. Like that's laughably bad, but they're 10th in red zone efficiency, converting 70% of their attempts. The Falcons D is okay on third down. They've been a little bit better of late. Certainly in that giants game, they made some big stops on third down, but they're they're okay on third down in the red zone though they're 26th so for the falcons i think to really kind of defensively take over this game they need to shut down washington they need to force them into third downs 
shut them into third downs and really kind of turn this into a field possession game where the Atlanta's offense is playing a lot on Washington's side of the football because frankly, Washington's offense can't do anything against Atlanta's defense. So that's what I really want to see. Um, and I think, I think the running back situation with Antonio Gibson reminds me a lot of Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, that type of, of player. The Falcons have a ton of experience with those types of players and have had a lot of success against Carolina, particularly because they allow the Panthers to funnel everything to Christian McCaffrey, and then they let Deion Jones go in and clean it up, and, and they make him dink and dunk down the field. And that's probably not something that Taylor Heineke is going to be super-duper comfortable with um, all afternoon. So I really, really like this matchup for Atlanta's defense. But are, we talked about Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin, and Logan Thomas. We need to mention them because those two guys are the other two best players on Washington's offense. And they're two really good players. I mean, Scary Terry has that nickname for a, a, a <laughs> uh, for a reason. I mean, he's he reminds me uh, a little bit of like a... Um, Jeremy Macklin or like a Deshaun Jackson with a little bit more wiggle to him. Um, I, yeah. I think like, uh, but he's smaller. So it's think a little bit more like Tyree Killish, but not that agile, obviously. Mm. Um, yeah. And then Logan Thomas is just your stereotypical, like great receiving tight end, good in the clutch, uh, can make, you know, a lot of the routes that, that you need to run. So what about those two guys? How do we match up with them? Uh, I think we match up uh, pretty good uh, just because, you know, I, I feel like, um, our defensive backfield, they're starting to get a little confidence. And what's big on um, having a, a solid defense or, or just a competent defensive backfield is how they play together. And that they've shown that they've been able to kind of gel and get to that point where they, they almost know what the other player is thinking, you know, without having to say a word, without having to, you know, scream out um, uh, different uh, calls. They have a, a certain level of trust. Because when it gets to, I got to save my ass, you save your ass, and you know, he's saving his ass, it gets ugly. And I've seen, I've been on teams where that's happened. Yeah. And players are, shoot, because every now and then, uh, uh, at least I know when I was with the Falcons, we'd have, I don't know if you call it call-out sessions, but coach, uh, the head coach would talk about offense and defense, what can and can't happen. And he'd be like, this is unacceptable. I hope that's happening and, every day. It just should happen every day, but usually the defensive uh, coordinator and, and uh, that side that they go and you know kind of you know talk the truth or or shit on the, the defensive players who messed up on on their end. Offense goes to that side, they break up and they tell the truth Monday. That's offense, you know, tell the truth on on yeah. their end. But very rarely do you, you know the offense here where the defense messed up, and the defense here is where the offense messed up. But sometimes what's really bad, you hear that, and the times where I've heard. The defensive backfield just really messing up. It was situations where they wanted to save their own ass, and then they didn't want to, or, or they were afraid that they would get blamed for something. So they're like, "Oh, I got to cover my guy, or he's in my space." Or sometimes, you know, that receiver's running that gray area where do you take him? Do I take him? To <laughs> well, no, it's, it's him. It's him. It's not me. And when yeah. there is not a level of trust there. And when people are, are trying to just look out for, for number one you know, or it's a contract year or, you know, it's a young guy who wants to be on the coach's good side, that's when defenses can't really flow. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not in the locker room, but I feel like our backfield, defensive backfield, is is taking a step closer to being on, on the same wavelength, which is huge in football and huge on the defense side of the ball. And with that, I feel like we have a better chance to cover 
Scary Terry and some of these receivers like Logan, who could be a threat if each guy's playing in their own little island. So yeah, we don't want that from the Falcons secondary because I agree. I think they really are starting to gel. Outside of that one 38-yard pass the Giants had kind of down the right sideline early on, um, although you you don't know the defense call and it looked like that was a great throw on the boundary and, and that could have been a, a single high or, or they rolled the safety over to the other side. So you don't want to necessarily assume something. But I think that given the lack of really other truly scary kind of, no pun intended, um, receiving threats for Washington, I think that they'll be able to kind of help whoever the corner is. And AJ could be back. We, you know, we'll see how he progresses through the concussion protocol throughout the week. But they could probably roll a safety over top and and really kind of bracket um, Terry off there. And then I think you can handle Logan Thomas with Foye. I, I think that he's been really good at covering tight ends his entire career. And, and this isn't a matchup that scares me for him. So let's flip it over, though, because Washington's defense has been um, not as disappointing as Atlanta's offense has been, for sure. But not the a lot of people expected them to take the leap this year after they morphed into a pretty dominant uh, defensive line kind of late last year. And then that's kind of the reason a lot of people think that they made the playoffs um, was because of their defense. So far, they haven't got that. They have as many sacks as the Falcons, which is six. Uh, Chase Young has yet to get a sack so far this season. They are led by Jonathan Allen, who has three sacks. Montez Sweat off the edge has two sacks. But by and large, this is not the unit that everybody thought that they would be. How do the Falcons offensively avoid making this a get-right game for Washington's defense? It's going to be tough. I mean, I feel like every team that comes against us is looking at, looking at us as their get-right yeah, game right? team because <laughs> they they watch uh, the first game uh, with the Eagles defense in the line, and they see what Tampa Bay did to us, even though it wasn't as bad as I thought it could have been. <laughs> with uh, yeah. Dominic Sue and Vita Vea, I, I feel like we didn't do horribly because I expected to see just, you know, pictures and video of our office linemen being picked up, put on these Vita Vea, Vita, uh, Vita Vea's back and <laughs> him walking, calmly walking them down to Matt Ryan and throwing them at Matt Ryan like a, like a wrestler. So, but they, they still saw us at, at our lowest point. And so Chase Young is like, all right, I need, he, he's, he hears uh, the media. He, he hears us on our podcast. I'm sure he listens all the time. And <laughs> He's is, a big uh, fan. He's written me. Breath. Oh, of course. Yeah, waited with bated breath to see what Ovi and Will are going to talk about. But he knows that he hasn't been producing the way that he should and that the world expects him to and that his contract, you know, kind of dictates. So he wants to go and, and, and get back right on Atlanta Falcons team with a, a, a statue of a quarterback that he can get his hands on. So I, I think that just like, you know, Saquon Barkley thinking this is his get right game, we got to watch out. We cannot be complacent and say, ah, we ain't got to worry about defensive line. We ain't got to worry about this and third. Because according to the stats, according to the playbook, <laughs> according to, you know, the film, ah, we're good. That's the worst thing you can do. And I think Bill Belichick is probably one of the best guys when it comes to, I don't care who you're playing. Again, you know, I, I never played for Bill Belichick, but uh, I've had a chance to talk a lot of uh, his players they say he acts like every dang game is a Super Bowl. Every game is a Super Bowl. <laughs> That's not surprising. And like we we roll our eyes like, dude, it's the Dolphins. Like <laughs> Bill, they're like they have like one win in like eight games. Like, but still, he is hyping 
them up, you know, not only in the media, they're, they're a good team, and you know, I mean, you know, it's gonna be a good matchup. And uh, oh, yeah, he, he means that stuff, like, he really be- right. has forced himself to believe that. And we have to have that same Bill Belichick mentality when it comes to the Washington football team. You know, I did it again, see, I did it right. <laughs> ah, when it comes to the Washington football team, I had to check. I said, Did I say the wrong thing? No, I said the right you're thing. You're good, you're good. We, we have to make sure that we don't feel like this is going to be an easy game or a game we should, you know, uh, definitely win. We got to look at this. as like it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We got to say this is the defending yeah. Super Bowl champ. This is going to be a hard game. Every side of the offense is good. Every player can can rise up and, and beat us up, no pun intended. But um, I, I think that defensive line is scary Yeah, because of who our offensive line is. So um, I, I hope that the same things we put in place to get us to take a step forward last game, we can, you know, kind of build on that and not let them have their get right game on us. It's exactly what I, I don't even think the Falcons need to worry about looking past any opponent. Like they can't afford and shouldn't be looking past any opponent. No. And if they are, then that's a massive critical organizational issue. And I don't think Arthur Smith is the type of coach. He doesn't strike me as the type of coach that is even really necessarily talking too much to his team about Washington outside of the scheming. I still think they're in the mode of we're focused on us and getting better. And yes, you're implementing a game plan and you're doing that. But I really think that they are probably still looking under the hood a little bit of what they've got as a coaching staff and who can do different things and trying a little, a few things out. And so I, I don't even know how much yet they're really all in on, okay, you're spending the entirety of the week looking at your matchup with this guy. I think there is a little bit of self-scouting going on and self-development as there should be right now. I mean, this is a one and two team that is barely one and two, but <laughs> you, I look at some of the outside of the defensive line. I would expect Kendall Fuller, who's having a really good season and is a good, a good cornerback in this league. That makes sense uh, to me is the obvious matchup on Calvin Ridley. Landon Collins is on this team. I think that, you know, I would expect Kyle Pitts to see, you know, some of him and, and William Jackson is not a bad safety as well. So I think what was really interesting to me and Arthur Smith said, he confirmed a lot of the beliefs that I had in the Giants game that I think I told you on Sunday when we recorded. It seems like the Giants really did game plan to kind of take Kyle Pitts away. Matt Ryan said as much yep. today in his press conference that he's he's never really seen a rookie get this much attention from a defense, which makes sense. All teams, all 31 other teams heard everybody in the world be hyping up Kyle Pitts for the last six months, saying he is a generational prospect. We've never seen these like him. He is going to take over the world by storm. Can he have 1,400 receiving yards as a a rookie? I mean, yeah, if I'm a defensive coordinator and I'm looking at the Falcons offense, who's the scariest guy? Sure, it could be Calvin, but we know what Calvin is. And it's not that hard to dedicate just two safeties to stay back. You can kind of bracket Calvin off in other ways and and get him off his game, which teams have been able to do so far. So I'm really curious to see how Washington, because we Kyle Pitts is yet to have that game, he will eventually. Which team does it come against? And I wonder if Washington trying to get their front going, trying to get the pressure going, maybe they get a little bit more aggressive. Maybe they're not dropping as many people as we saw the Giants do. Um, and I wonder if this is is the Kyle Pitts breakout game. I know we say that every single week. One of these yep, weeks, we one of these weeks, we're going to be right. Um, <laughs> that's analytics for you. And 
yeah, I mean, I, I like this matchup about as much as any. Um, but again, if teams are really truly scheming to take Kyle Pitts away, then the Falcons are going to have to find other ways to get it done because it's one thing to try to take Julio Jones away. He's he's seen that for 11 years now. He knows how to beat yep. your double teams. He knows all of the moves. It's a little bit different for a rookie out of the gate to not only now be going up against bigger, stronger, faster players, but to go up against two of them at once while he's still trying to learn the playbook, while he's still trying to learn what Matt Ryan, where he wants him to be and when. All of this is going through his head, still making great plays out there, so I'm high on him, but it's going to take a little bit of time, and it still could on Sunday. You mentioned the offensive line, and Mm -hmm. we've heard, again, it's Wednesday, so we don't have all the information. Josh Andrews, uh, who was presumed to be the left guard entering the season, is could be coming back. He's day-to-day, still on IR, so the team would have to um, reactivate him, but he started practicing again today. So did Kendall Sheffield, who was also on IR. AJ Terrell is day-to-day. Frank Darby's day-to-day, and Russell Gage is day-to-day per Arthur Smith on Wednesday. But if Josh Andrews is able to make it back for this game, does Jalen Mayfield deserve to keep his spot in the starting offensive lineup, or would you make that swap and say, thank you for what you've done. He's gotten better with each passing game, which I think is notable. But do you say, thank you for what we've done. Josh was our guy coming out of camp. He's the starter. Continue to learn. You'll have your shot. What do you do? This is always so interesting. This has been like an age old, (laughs) um, you know, conversation with veterans and rookies about how I remember I distinctly being on with Brian Finneran at 680 and uh, we were kind of debating this regarding if you're the starter, you lose your job because of injury yeah. and you're healthy again, do you get your starting job back? And we were like, unfortunately, the answer depends. It depends on is the guy who's doing your job just as good as you or, or, or seemingly better than you? Is he younger? Is he cheaper than you? That's a big question. The other question is, are they stuck paying you? If they if they're stuck paying you and like they gotta they can't get rid of you because the signing bonus was too big, uh, that may have somebody uh, inclined to get you back in there. I think one of the, one of the biggest <laughs> um, representations of this was uh, I think when Colin Kaepernick went in the game and uh, our, our our guy who ended up getting hurt, gosh darn it, what was his name? Alex Smith. There you go, Alex Smith. Everyone like felt so bad for Alex Smith and some of the purists were like you can't do that. And Alex Smith should get his job back, but Everyone was like, dang, Alex Smith can't do that. Yeah. Alex Smith can't do that. You know, and we were happy when Alex Smith got a chance to to go to another team and show that he still had a little something. People were, were happy about that. But right. at the same time, they're like, hey, the coach made the right call because they got, they got to the Super Bowl that year. So with Josh Andrews and Jalen Mayfield, Jalen Mayfield's got, uh, you know, the edge just because he, he's got more of a future with the Falcons. Well, and let's, and let's want, not, and you need him to get better. Let's not act like Josh Andrews is Jake Matthews. I mean, the, he, he was a free agent signing this off season, which your point then about the money, the contract is very valid because you're right. Teams do make decisions based on that, but Jalen Mayfield was drafted. I think they're looking at him as the future of one of these offensive line positions. Um, yep. But but it's not it's not like they owe anything to J- Josh Andrews, and I'm not even frankly sure how good Josh Andrews is. I mean, the, it was a left guard. Yeah, we got a chance to see, but it was yeah. a left guard competition for a reason. And to me, if if Josh Andrews, 
if he won the job in camp, he's now lost the job in the regular season because Jalen Mayfield has stepped up and gotten better with each passing week. And this past week was not bad. I mean, I think he was uh, Atlanta's second highest uh, graded offensive lineman per pro football focus, which, you know, take that for what you will. But that's yeah, it's not, what a great assault. It's not nothing. I mean, so they, <laughs> they're at least watching watching every single snap of of every player. So, um, yeah, I like I would 100 percent expect them to roll out Jalen Mayfield as a starter, even if Josh Andrews is activated off of IR and suiting up for Sunday. If anything, I'm always in favor of rewarding a young player who steps up and especially shows resiliency than kind of taking that away from them when they finally maybe feel like they're getting their feet under them just for the sake of, well, we signed this guy as a free agent. Absolutely. It's, um, a situation that we spoke about in the past uh, regarding you have to be able to um, let guys show you who they are. Yes. And you are not defined by your worst moment. Shoot, if any of us were defined outside of football, on or off the field, by our worst moment, it'd be a lot of uh, really bad people out there. Because I know <laughs> I've made mistakes in football and in life. And, you know, even though you're close to perfection, you're, you're as close to perfection as there is. Even you will... I'm sure I've made some mistakes in your life that you're not too proud of and you wouldn't want to have on your neck for the whole world to <laughs> judge you on every single day. You're really putting um, me on the spot here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I, like, I, I admit it. This. I admit it. <laughs> I drank the book put back in the fridge. I admit it. It was me. I did it. I'm so sorry. Oh, man. <laughs> um, Caught with my hand well, in the but cookie no, I, I, <laughs> yeah, Jalen Mayfield uh, had to bear his sins the entire uh, world, the Falcons fan base. Like yeah. they all, we all saw him at his worst and we've seen him somewhat respond from that because he could have went a thousand percent into the tank. He could have, you know, uh, crawled up his shell. He could have blamed the media, blamed the fans, blamed us for being too harsh or too critical. But uh, to his uh, credit, he worked on getting better and he did incremental uh, as it may be showed some improvement against a really tough uh, Tampa Bay uh, defensive line. And and even, again, against the Giants, showed some improvement. So I, I feel like there is uh, an opportunity for him and uh, the rest of uh, some of these young players to really step up. And we we, we talked about it last week. It's the uh, <laughs> revenge of, of the nobodies, the revenge of the no-names. It's the guys who aren't household names as far as Falcons go really stepping up. Yeah. The, uh, uh, the Zacchaeus's and the Lee Smith's and, you know, the Tajay Sharps and guys who are not going to be on a Falcons poster uh, <laughs> or any billboards. You know, these are guys that are role players that realize they can play a major role week in, week out. So I really want to see what role players are going to step up and hopefully the ones that stepped up last week can still do it this week. And that part of uh, that is Matt Ryan and the coaching staff trusting them enough to give them the opportunity. Yeah, that, that's a great point. Um, somebody who has been, I think, trusted from the beginning and is quickly rising out of the ranks of role player is Corderell Patterson. And I've got a quick trivia, I guess, question for you, or, or I guess just I want you to guess this. He has a hundred Corderell Patterson has 153 receiving yards. So far this season, how many of those yards have come after the catch? Ooh, um, gosh, like 
90% of them. Uh, I'd say that the vast majority of them, I'd say maybe 100 at least. 150. No! All but three of his yards. Are you serious? I mean, I guess I guess if they factored in like him losing yardage or whatever, but I'm going to choose okay. not to believe that that's the case because it doesn't seem like it is. It seems like every time this dude's catching, it's kind of like out of the backfield and he makes three guys miss. Um, yeah, no, um, I mean, now that you mentioned, because I'm like, I haven't seen him like go down for a go route. And he's catching the ball over the shoulder. Right. 50 yeah, it's all just field. swings out of the Never backfield. Happened. Yeah, it's just like it screens and, you know, little five yard uh, out routes and yep. little check downs and. I remember the one. Um, dang, what game was that? Was it the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks? Yeah, it was the uh, the Bucks because the one where Matt Ryan kind of had a one hander, uh, like a basketball over, kind of, yeah. kind of flicked it over. Yeah, it, that was so dope. It was just so organic, so natural. It was like that. That's stuff that like, good teams do. Yeah, like stuff like that is what you see good teams do. Find a way to freaking win. Find a way to get the ball to your playmakers. Find a way to get the ball in the end zone. So I I see that. I don't know if that cut it to three points, but. <laughs> It got excited. That's when shit got real. I was like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we got ourselves a game, and this Coral Patterson guy is a bowler. Yeah, like he can get himself open, yeah. has a little burst, and, and he, he continued on that streak of kind of showing people, showing fans who thought he was going to be the second fiddle to Mike Davis. That this this is our guy. Mm-hmm. Like this is our explosive. You know, make plays, make something happen, guy, and. And, uh, you know, commentator kept, commentators kept on talking about how big he is and how physical he is and how he has that, you know, returner type of uh, explosion. And he kept on making him look good because he showed that. Yeah. He showed that he could stiff arm a guy. He showed he could shrug off a tackle. He showed that even at like 225, 230, he's exploding past some of these DBs that are supposed to be speedsters. I'm like, <laughs> all right. I know. He's so, putting it all together. Yes. Have, having weapons is very important. Using these weapons is even more important. And so we're using Cordero Patterson in a way that Falcons fans should be excited about. So, you know, hopefully they they get him involved early and get the fans uh, involved in the game early so we can, you know, get this place rocking and uh, really use that momentum to do some uh, damage versus uh, these football team guys. <laughs> There's been um, a, a trend around the league that I've noticed on offense so far this season, and I need to... Uh, do a little more digging into exactly how they're getting this to happen. But essentially it's they're getting the ball out of the backfield to uh, a running back running a bubble. But instead of it being kind of along the line of scrimmage or the running backs catching a floating pass, just like, you know, maybe right at the one yard past the line of scrimmage mark and then ready to run. It's been much more of a, an angular, like sharp throw. And the running back is like six yards down the field and catching it in stride with nobody in front. I would love to see them get the ball into Corderell Patterson's hand, maybe five yep. yards past the line of scrimmage with Matt kind of putting it right on him and, and Corderell already in full stride. That would That's exactly what a kickoff is. That's getting him the ball in full stride, ready to run and in open space. And the Falcons have done a really good job of that so far. So I, I don't mean that uh, to say that they haven't because they have, but that's just a new wrinkle that I've seen some other teams do that I think would fit perfectly in Atlanta's playbook. Um, so, all right, let's move to our second topic real quick. The locker room message. You got really passionate about Corderell Patterson. So I need you to bring that same energy to the rest of the guys in the locker room um, with your message for this week's game. It doesn't matter how you win. You just got to win. And, and, and damn it, we won. We got a we W. But after we feel good about it, about it, pat ourselves on the back, let's realize that that could have been an L very easily. 
You know, it could have been a loss because of a thousand different mistakes that were made on all three phases of this game. Don't be the guy to to mess this up for. You know, everyone <laughs> do their job, and this is simple. This is back to high school. Do your job. Do your job first. You can help somebody else out. Great. But make sure that you don't miss your block. Make sure that you don't miss the tackle. Make sure that you're in the right spot. Make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to do and how we've coached up to because the man next to you is trusting that you're going to do your job. And it doesn't change. We focus on fundamentals at the beginning of every single season because that's what separates the good teams from the great teams and the great teams from the ones that go to Super Bowls. And if it was me, I'd say, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of being average. <laughs> And obviously, I'm I'm old, and I tell them I'm tired <laughs> of just playing football. I want to freaking win. Yeah, you know, I, I want to you know go to the playoffs. I want to you know be in a position to be dangerous. I, I remember uh, Brian Finneran when when he was in his older years, that was literally his locker room message. He said, "Guys, like, what the f are we doing? Like, I, I'm not here to just you know you know Practice. f around yeah. or just yeah just you know play ball, play ball." I want to win. I want to, you know, uh, make memories. I want to, you know, have a chance to compete for a championship. We can't do that if guys around here are are, are kind of just taking this stuff for granted. Oh, we'll get them next year. We'll get them next time. No, let's treat every game like it's a Super Bowl. Let, let's figure out a way to put our best on the field every single time. And just like I said last week, against the Washington football team, this is a game that we can win and we should win. This isn't a game that we should be going toe-to-toe with them. No, we have the ability to get a W. We show we can win. Now let's show we can win with authority. Man, so this is why I know I can always trust you because you bring it every single time. That I, If Matt Ryan's not giving that exact speech right now in his, at this point in his career, uh, I don't maybe Lee Smith. No, he, he's, <laughs> he's giving it. You know, one thing about Matt Ryan, I think he'd be too – he's too PC to say – what everyone is thinking, or what he should be thinking. Don't freaking waste my best years. Like this, this isn't a oh Matt Ryan doesn't believe in rebuilding years because every year he plays is another year off of his life, shaved off of, of, of his you know the velocity of his throw, his ability, the the little ability he has to scramble, you know, just like the cha- the, the the ability to get through <laughs> another season without a major injury. Yeah. Like he knows, like the clock is winding down for him. And so he's about let's win now. Anybody who's not on that let's win now train that's kind of just half-assing it because eh, we might win, we might lose. Uh, who cares? I got a five-year contract, three-year guarantee, and I'm not going anywhere. Matt doesn't think that way. So hopefully he's saying some version of that to them uh, in person. I mean, in behind closed doors because he's going to say it's all about the team and about oh, getting better course. and all other PC stuff that he does because he is Captain PC. Uh, but in in the reality of it all, he wants to win now. All right, let's get to some final thoughts and predictions for the game. Uh, Ovi, who for the Falcons offense, defense, special teams needs to have a big game on Sunday for Atlanta to win? <sighs> I think that, I mean, the easy ones is Kyle Pitts. I won't go there because everyone's <laughs> like, every week, Kyle Pitts, hey, let, let, let's do it. You know, this is the week, Kyle Pitts, let's go. Um, or you could say um, our offensive line, it gets that defensive line. But I, I, I like a dark horse because I'm a running back. I, I think that you know the running game sets everything up, makes even the defense's job easier. If you can hold the ball and get that time of possession up on your side, 
even if the defense doesn't get the ball, I mean, they got to go toe to toe. They already know if we don't do something, you know, the balls can go back to the offense. They're going to have it for like another, you know, eight, eight minutes. They're going to have an eight minute drive because they're running the ball, grinding out that clock to get to that point where we can be a, a dangerous team that people are worried about getting the ball back to us. We have to have not just Cordell Patterson having explosive plays, but both our running backs out there getting yards. Mike Davis needs to show up and say, hey, that Cordell Patterson guy, is, he's cute and all, and that, that's fine that you guys are excited about him. But me, I'm the Mike Turtle 2.0. I'm the guy you brought in here. I'm the one the tree trunk legs. Me, <laughs> I'm going to set the goddamn tone on this team. Give me the mother-loving ball. Let me do what I do. And, uh, you know, don't don't worry about what I do. Just watch what I do. So Mike Davis, I think, is the guy that has to have a big game and can be a real X factor in this because if you get him going and you have Cordero Patterson, forget them even trying to start our offense. Matt Ryan can do whatever he wants, <laughs> however he wants, because our run game is going to make them so worried that eight, eighth person is going to drop in the box. You're going to see our box full because they say, oh, my God, the Falcons have a run game. Their offense line's blocking. You know, their fullback's moving people. And they have not one, but two running backs that can hurt us. That would be an exciting thing to see develop. Yeah, I, I mean, the, he's only gotten, he's averaging 12 carries a game, which, I mean, as, as a, a member of, of a running back's room, you know, you guys need the ball. Uh, you'd want the ball, get, get, a, the rhythm. get yeah. a lather, get going, get the defense kind of on their back heels. Um, so I would, I would love for your um, prediction or hope or expectation or whatever you call it to come true. But I, for that to happen, I need, weirdly, it feels like they're running the ball too much. And yet I look at that and I'm like, are they running it enough? Um, so I need them <laughs> to, I need them yep. to actually maybe get ahead so that to the point where they can just run the ball all three downs if they want to and, and punt it because it doesn't matter. They're winning by so many points. Um, I am in the same side of the ball close to the running back, but I'm going Matt Hennessy, the center. And I say that instead of Ooh. one of the, one of the guards, because Jonathan Allen is obviously leading this team in sacks. He gets great, great pressure from the interior. And I think that he can move around their defensive line. And so whoever is the guard up against Jonathan Allen, Matt Hennessy is going to be have to helping or is going to have to help both of those guys all throughout the day. You know, it, it may be I got to come over here and help Jalen Mayfield on a double and climb to the second level on this play. I got to go over here with Chris Lindstrom and, and pass block because they're running a stunt and a twist and I need to pick up him. And all of the communication starts with the center. This is a very good defensive line. They're going to do some athletic stuff. They're going to do some power stuff. And I just think Matt Hennessy needs to have his head on a swivel, communicate, and be ready to step to either side that needs his help. Because if it does get ugly for Atlanta on Sunday, I think it. I think it, Washington's defensive line is a factor in any of those scenarios. And to me, Matt Hennessy is kind of the X factor um, for the offensive line. And so if he steps up, I think I really like Atlanta in this game. Um, Who's the who's your scariest matchup for for Atlanta? Yeah. Like Giants matched up against a Falcon that scares you. Well, I mean, we, we mentioned everyone's trying to get their get get right game on us, and I, I was worried about Saquon Barkley because he's a, a known commodity that hasn't played up to his potential. The other known commodity that hasn't played up to his potential is Chase Young on um, 
uh, the Washington <laughs> great, football great team, call. team. Yeah, so so Chase Young as watching the people to the left and to the right of him, guys that don't have as much hype as him have more sacks, more hurries, more pressures, and and everyone's like, you know, what's wrong with Chase? You know, what's going on with Chase? Like he's supposed to be the guy, and, and we thought Taylor Heineke could just you know keep the the ship steady, and our defensive line, our defense would just disrupt and cause turnovers. Chase is uh he's he's quiet and that scares me because he's due. It's a, it's game 4 week 4 he is due a Chase Young game because when you see him at his best it's it's scary. And um I think that all our offensive linemen need to be on notice to see where he's at. They're talking about maybe moving him around a little bit, do some more stunts with him, getting him uh you know use that speed of his and if he gets going and starts believing that he can be the guy he was uh, last year, it's going to be a long game. Yeah, that's a great call, dude. Uh, Chase Young is is very scary. I think, I don't know how much I've seen them move him around, which could be the Falcons' saving grace because he usually lines up on the right side of their defense. That would obviously put him against Jake Matthews, and you would much, much rather have that matchup much rather. than, much than rather. Chase Young against Caleb McGarry. Uh, so McGarry against Sweat is still still scary. Sweat has two sacks on this uh, on this year, but a great call. I mean, Chase Young is is always um, scary. I'm sticking on the defense. I'm going with cornerback Kendall Fuller. Like I said, I, I just think he's been playing pretty well so far this season. Um, I would hate to be coming out of this game feeling yet again like Calvin Ridley reaches like 67 yards on eight catches, but does nothing else. And <laughs> yes, and, and that's just kind of it feels like that's been his season so far. I know I know he's got touchdowns yep. and like I, I know that he's made some impactful plays, but Calvin always like is on fire at the beginning of the year and just 130 yards when you're number two. I, exactly. Saying Calvin right. Ridley this for a long time. It all changes when you're number one. Yes. It's a different ball game when you're number one, just like uh, some of these quarterbacks who, you know, come in these you know career backups. Or even these young guys, they, 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 I mean, Justin Fields is a great example. You know, when the starter is not doing that great, you come in and you're slinging it and you're feeling good. And, you know, you're, you know, feeling like, all right, this is easy. But when you're the guy, when you're supposed to be, you know, the one who's right. not, you know, if you do it great, if not, we didn't expect you to. But, yo, you're supposed to. Like Calvin Ridley or, or Fields last week, it's a lot harder. <laughs> and Ridley has seen and found out uh, firsthand that, it's not easy to be the number one receiver. It's not easy to double team. It's not easy to have everyone game planning against you and to still, you know, you know, I said get buckets, but to still get yards yeah. and to make plays. And um, hopefully he can, you know, break break through that because he can't be a true wide receiver one if he can't play under pressure and play, you know, under intense scrutiny where he's being double teamed and and um, you know, really highlighted by the opposing uh, defenses. And I trust. I trust uh, Calvin to get it right. I mean, I, I think there were even yeah, he will. there were a Just lot of times on happened before the end of the season. <laughs> there, there were a lot of times on Sunday against New York where I think once Atlanta kind of adjusted how they were deploying him and, and getting him some more uh, some easier looks or at least um, maybe more in where Matt Ryan's eyes were going instead of going deep into kind of the teeth the teeth of the defense. He was still open by like five yards and catching the ball in stride and turning up field and making plays. He still tries to run backwards too much, which annoys, I think, everybody. But he's yep. I'm not worried about Calvin. Kendall Fuller, though, is 
he's been having, like I said, a really good year. And, and I think I'm really curious to see if they trust Kendall to cover Calvin one-on-one. And if they do, Ooh. what does that say about their belief in Calvin? And also then how does Calvin take advantage of that? So this, this is the thing because I don't want to know the answer of, of that, but I, I just think that we might figure that out on Sunday one way or the other. Um, and I hope it's the other. So who, uh, we already, I think we've talked a lot about X factors and, and just different guys who need to step up. So I'll, I'll skip that one, but let's do, um, what's the path to victory for Atlanta? If you're kind of creating, it doesn't have to be a game plan per se, but just like your ideal version, how would it play out for Atlanta to get a win? Um, for us, it'd be, um, deal position. Cause we show that we can kind of win that battle. Our special teams and our punter, Cordell Patterson downing the ball, you know, in yep. their like, you know, three, four, five yard line. We showed we can do that. You know, the great teams do, they do it consistently. It's not like a, a one-off or every now and then, or we got lucky. No, you create your own luck, you know? So if, if you can consistently pin teams down, if you can consistently be able to, again, Cordell Patterson, part of this, running the ball out, punt returns, kickoff returns. Our, our return game was good. If we can get, win the, the field position game, if we can kind of, uh, slow it down by having our run game with, with Mike Davis uh, stepping up, like I mentioned before, and, and Cordell Patterson. I think that that turns this into a, a game that's not just, you know, big play from them, big play from us. Let's pass the ball, turn this into an air raid uh, uh, game. No, we're going to slow it down, make you play our game. We're going to hit you in the mouth and by fourth quarter, have you, you know, nice and soft and be able to, you know, create some gaps, get some creases, and, uh, you know, get, get some of these uh, five-yard runs to turn into 25-yard runs. And just make get frustrate them because there's nothing you can do if you are unable to stop the run. That, that just makes your defense just so frustrated, and they get tired because they're all on the field all uh, yeah. dang day. Yeah. And our defense is fresh, ready to go. You know, get a three and out and give it back to us. Okay, we're going to hold it again for another eight minutes. So I want to see <laughs> one of those games. We haven't seen one of those in a while. That would be a strategy that I think would put the league on notice to say. Uh, uh, what, uh, the Falcons can do one of that, one of those. They can play that way. I thought they just throw the ball up and hope Calvin Ridley saves them or bails them out. They can actually have one of those real, you know, snotty nose, uh, bloody, uh, bully games. So I want to see that a 2010 Falcons game. That's what that's what do you it. want. Um, Let's do it. I so I'm gonna best case scenario would be if if our two uh, kind of things merged here because. We've talked a lot about him, but my my player who needs to step up is Matt Ryan. And I think that a super path to victory for Atlanta, because we talk about all the time, this is a quarterback-driven league. This is Taylor Heineke versus Matt Ryan, if we're talking about it in those terms. And Matt Ryan is still the much better quarterback in this matchup. So I need him to go out there and play like it. He's yet to really put together a Matt Ryan game. I think he bounced back pretty well from a bad week one and played better before that fourth quarter against Tampa and Tampa is a very legitimate defense. And I put a lot of stock into that less into the two tipped pick sixes. That's kind of random. Um, And then last week, I think he played well down the stretch when he needed to, but all throughout he showed a lot of command of the offense. And so that's where I was saying, if we can marry maybe these two visions, it doesn't need to be a 405 yard passing game for Matt Ryan, but I want it to be efficient. I want to see, 75% 75% completion percentage. He can throw for 260 yards, but if he has 
three touchdowns and zero interceptions. That to me is like a perfect Matt Ryan game in 2021. You get the run game involved. You can get everybody touches, everybody looks and just play a really clean, efficient game. And like I said earlier, the other thing is Atlanta needs to win on third downs. And I think that they can win on third downs playing that type of game, both offensively and defensively. Like you mentioned, shutting down the run game, controlling the clock, dictating the action on offense. And then Washington wants to win this game in the red zone. You don't let them by doing that. And if you are efficient in the red zone, all the better. So, well, I, we mapped out just like the perfect game plan. The coaching staff should just, they should just pay us and we'll be there on Sunday uh, suiting up. They should. So, um, yes, you can uh, DM Ovi on Twitter for that. Anybody who wants to offer. <laughs> you can hire me. You can hire me. I mean, one, one thing that we, we can't forget as well is that, you know, where they're coming from, they're coming off a, a pretty bad loss to, to uh, um, Josh Allen and those Buffalo yeah, Bills. So yeah. they, they, they want to get right, you know, in the baddest way. Not that we're complacent with our win, but it's, I don't know why our bodies work this way and our mind works this way. You just fight a little bit harder, study a little bit harder, work a little harder when you lose a game. Yep. Um, and we didn't lose. We won. So we're kind of like, oh, we're not that bad. No, even though we barely yeah. won. It's that bruise to it, your ego. Yeah, yeah, it's it's that little chemical brain thing to where they're going to be, you know, foaming at the mouth a little more than we are. And we got to be able to uh, to compensate for that and you know, trick ourselves to, you know, be like Bill Belichick and just thinking you're terrible. So you fight your your butts off. I, I just don't want us to start slow because they're going to start fast because they want to be on the right side of things as soon as possible. All right, man. Final prediction time. You want me to go first or you got yours? Ladies first. Oh, jeez. All right. <laughs> um, so so we mentioned kind of that that old school hard nose football that you want to see the Falcons kind of throw back to the, you know, anywhere from the 2008 to the 2011 era, I guess I'll say. Yeah, um, I was there, yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, something, <laughs> there's maybe a trend there or a consistent theme, but I, I think it could be one of those games. Again, a, an efficient um, offensive performance, not huge numbers for Matt Ryan, a good, strong run game, some good, timely defensive plays. I think I'm leaning kind of 27 to 21. I think one of those games, how many times did we see that score in, you know, 2010 or whatever? I, I just think that that's it's a throwback. It would be a welcome throwback. Frankly, I, I kind of don't care. Even if this game does look ugly at times, maybe that's the identity of this team. We've seen flashy high scoring, maybe ugly and, and snotty is a new identity. And if the team learns how to win, win games that way, so be it. I'm, I'm here for the wins. I'm not here for the uh, for the beauty contest. So that's my prediction. Ovi. 27-21. What do you have? I got a 28-17. Uh, they're going to get two touchdowns, two touchdowns on the field goal. We're going to get four touchdowns. We're going to stop getting the red zone and getting field goals. I say four touchdowns. Matt Ryan, Mike Davis, Cordell Patterson, Calvin Ridley, they're all going to get in the end zone and make things happen. I like it. I like the confidence, and I like the day off for young Way Koo. He deserves it. Um, yep. So, all right, we're going to get out of here, but... Like we've started for the past three weeks, we're going to do a little twist on this game, provide uh, each other with scenarios. And this is inspired on on Marvel's kind of what if. So Ovi, I will go first and say that what if Mike Davis runs for two touchdowns on Sunday, but Matt Ryan throws two interceptions? How does this game play out? Oh, see, you're, you're, you're actually not making it that easy anymore. 
Um, <laughs> if Mike Davis runs for two touchdowns and Matt Ryan throws for two interceptions, I, I think that um, we still win just because if Mike Davis is doing that, you know, God knows what Cordero Patterson's doing. <laughs> I, I know it's going to be uh, close because those INTs probably hurt. You know, hopefully they're not pick sixes. But um, with the run game moving and with us having the time possession, I think we still eke out a win. Do you really, you're really all in on you want to see the run game lead the way on Sunday? Yeah. I'm, I'm a Mike Davis fanboy uh, for this game. I, the, the man's got to show up and, and he hasn't been like non-existent, but he hasn't been the dominant force that we thought he could be right. when we uh, brought him in through free agency. Spoken like a true fullback. Uh, yep. <laughs> what do you got for me? Yep. So, oh, what I got for you is that what if our friend Taylor Heineke uh, ends up getting four touchdowns and 300 yards plus uh, in the air? <laughs> um, well, I don't, I don't know if I've seen enough uh, from this offense to yet... Uh, all of a sudden assume shootout in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So I'm going to have to say that I think it's a massacre and that we are doing some deep, deep reflecting on Sunday. <laughs> what happened? We, like we, like what just happened? Some soul searching as not just like the people in the building. This is seeping out to, I, I mean, it's a deep down soul search for a city. <laughs> I like, I mean, I, you let Taylor Heineke come in here and, look like Aaron Rodgers in the 2011 playoff game. I mean, that's that's the low point. So I'm I'm not saying that the Falcons can't win that game, but I'm saying that I don't believe they can, not right now at least. So I would say, I mean, that's that's a double-digit 20-point blowout, I think. Yep, probably right about that. What a what great podcasting ending on just such a high note. Thank you for that, Obi. <laughs> but I do. That's what I'm here for. All right. Um, today's episode, as always, was presented by Bet Online. We will be back on Sunday night recapping this game. Hopefully, it's another win. The Falcons are building uh, something of a streak, heading over to see the Queen, and you know, potentially could be three and two in the bye week. All of that is still on the table, and that's what we said needs to happen. Last week, uh, Ovi, you got any last comments, thoughts, concerns? How's life going before we get out of here? Uh, life's going good, man. There's, I, I really love that there's so much good stuff to watch on TV, yeah. not just the, the what if, but, you know, uh, we spoke about the uh, Star Wars anime stuff out there. Um, why the last band on Hulu? I'm loving that. Yeah. You're, you're catching up on Squid Game. There's so just good. A, lot, a lot of great series out there. I'm even watching. I'm watching He Man on Netflix, the, the new cartoony one with my, my son. <laughs> I, I, I love TV. It's probably not the greatest for me, but I love watching good shows, good content, and uh, yeah, um, I'm going to catch Venom with my little brother. Oh, uh, heck yeah! This weekend too. So Venom and Carnage should be good stuff. So I, I'm enjoying uh, uh, good content, and hopefully you guys can too. Very excited for the uh, Venom movie coming up. Looks amazing. Will Woody Harrelson is going to be. I think insane in that movie. Uh, also, Succession comes back soon. Very excited for season three. Um, but that's it for us today. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe. Uh, tell everybody about the podcast. Uh, it's going to be, it could be a fun season. It's shaping up to, you know, who knows if it actually will be. But regardless, we're going to be here throughout it with you. Um, and we would love for this bandwagon to grow. And I, I think we provide some really unique, interesting insight. and 
you can't get that anywhere else. So as always, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.